Hello, everyone. This is Mark Sloan with ASAP Advisors. Thanks for joining us for our next podcast installment. Today, Alpesh Patel and I are joined by Craig Jones. Craig is the Chief Revenue Officer of Star Compliance, a company focused on providing configurable software solutions to assist users with compliance processes and regulatory standards. Craig has extensive experience in the technology industry as an investor, board member, Chief Revenue Officer and partner at companies such as Accenture, NetSuite, SAP, GE, and Workday. Um, today, Craig's going to talk to us about selling services. Um, and before we dig into how to do it effectively, Craig, I'd love to just hear your biggest frustration with selling services. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, first of all, it's great to be here, Mark and, and Alpesh, and uh, really excited about uh, the conversation. Uh, you know, through my 25, uh, maybe 30 years of experience, um, I've learned a ton uh, around uh, just the go-to-market function in general. And I think when you look back in early days, 25 or so years ago, sales was always just go sell the kit and let everybody else go figure out how to implement. And as we have evolved, um, go-to-market has really become really a cross-functional interlock together as a way of removing sales from the definition and really calling it revenue, um, and and as you see that 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 transition from sales to to revenue, you start to see the importance of being a business part, partner and a thought partner with your services organization, your customer success teams, your your product and R and D teams. So, um, really, really um, seen a lot of uh, improvement and advanced and maturity around that. Um, from a frustration perspective, I think sometimes. Uh, you you start to see silos are created, and, and those silos really cause a uh, incongruent uh, alignment on metrics, right? So the sales team is looking at bookings performance, they're looking at ARR growth, and they're they're trying to really drive top line, and the services organization depend depending on the maturity of the services organization, they may start to lean in more for gross margin, uh, gross profitability. They may look at uh, you know different metrics that are, are misaligned with where the company is trying to go. So that go-to-market function is so critical that you're always having that management and leadership together from an interlock perspective. So you don't get into the situation where the services teams uh, are actually going in one direction and the sales teams going in another. And I've been very fortunate in my career uh, of working with some really, really strong services folks that really understand uh, being aligned on uh, on that on that metric front. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, Alpesh, I think you were uh, looking to ask a question here. Yeah, no, absolutely. To 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 add to that, uh, Craig, you know, does does a product led growth strategy change? How services are accounted for, right? And 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 you know we we've talked and experienced in the past because I've had the pleasure of working with you uh, at Centellus. But you know how does that um, play into account? And then does customization of of a solution play a big part in 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 that strategy or needs to be accounted for? From your experience, how 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 does the everybody talks about we want to be SaaS and we want to be product led. But reality is, is that the product that we currently have or where we're going or still have is not necessarily um, rinse and repeat, but more heavy customization configuration. Yeah, I mean, Alpesh, you know, you, you know, you know where I where I want to go with this question, um, just given our experience together. I, look, I think at the end of the day, you could probably point to. 10 to 20 things that effectively create a really 
big challenge in the go-to-market. I'm going to highlight a couple and then answer your question specifically around that configuration and configurability piece because I think it's really important. Um, the first thing you have to think about, right, is when you are post-sale with a customer, uh, and, and regardless if you're sales-led or, or product-led, um, that really is, is kind of the output and the iteration that you have to go through as it relates to uh, how do you continue to refine and redefine um, what that means from a product-led perspective. So some of the things that I see across a lot of companies, whether you're small uh, trying to scale or whether you're really, really mature product and trying to reinvent yourselves, is the first thing you have to ask yourself is are your customers, do they love you, right? Um, can you quantify the ROI uh, during that renewal time? And I'm a big believer that uh, value, time to value, uh, from the day you go live is when it starts, not at the end of the sale, right? So it has to be on that go time from a, from a renewal perspective. Um, the second thing is, is that sales and marketing and customer success are out of sync. Uh, and that will go to kind of like, do we continue to do customization or do we say, hey, uh, this is what we are, uh, out of the box functionality, and we need to help drive, uh, lead the witness uh, around what, what, what this product is and how it can solve your needs. The, the third thing is really when the team is not aligned around the executive strategy. And what I've seen a lot of times is um, a lot of CEOs and a lot of companies are, are really, really good at painting that vision. Um, but at the end of the day, how you execute against that that vision is, is really the execution and accountability. And that really has the ability to create some of the silos that I talked about earlier, where you may have uh, a team that's really running hot, right? Really running hot on doing a lot of configurations for a small uh, transaction size. Uh, and that is almost the same level of effort from a very large customer that you're really just trying to take to the next level. The last thing is your churn um, is killing your business. And, and that is a function of, hey, we sold a product that's not necessarily driving what we originally thought we were buying, right? And so that's really where that customer success team and that account management team is really trying to prove that ROI. And then to your point, uh, Alpesh, your question is, you know, trying to move from a product-led organization to a platform-led company. Um, and, and what I have learned over my career is whatever role you go into, whether you're, yes, it's 100% SaaS, you're always going to have some versions, right? Some different software platform versions. You're going to have some different, um, you know, product innovations that may be single instance versus multi-tenant. And, and those really require uh, a wholesale kind of alignment with the organization of, do you continue to customize, right? The perfect product for the perfect user, or do you start to iterate on the product side that ultimately leads to better configurability, ultimately leading to client extensibility? And, mm -hmm. and I think that's where the market's going um, versus that customization. Uh, customizations can kill an organization from just a cost perspective. So I think that configurability piece is really important as, as folks look at opportunities that the, either whether they're you know looking to trans, transition their career, it's really about that configurability that I think is really important for, from the customer standpoint. Yeah, and I think you just touched on something very critical, a key word that you just used there, Craig, is that instead of thinking a product platform, right? I think that that is that is probably a critical component to a lot of companies as they look at the strategy, where they want to go, where they've been, where they want to go, start thinking about platform. And then that from there, you start building out the connections and the connectivity, right? Because if you get stuck with your in your mind saying, oh, it's product or sales or whatever, it, you, you you may go down paths that you don't, you never intended to. But if you, if you sort of 
get the culture and 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 the, and the commitment and the strategy around a platform led right i think is it huge so that that great great point there uh, uh craig so mark yeah no i i, I like that and sort of follow up question um cuz i see this is you know when i was running services inside a technology company and now past 20 years um 15 20 years advising technology companies as much as there's been this movement to platform we still have different departments. We've got sales, we've got development, we've got services. And it it seems, it, it comes across as difficult for the different organizations to really integrate, work together in terms of go to market, right? We're, we're selling a solution, which is going to be the technology and it's going to be the services, but there, there tends to be a lot of infighting. Um, wondering if you've experienced that yourself and, and if so, how you deal with it. Yeah, I think um, I'll tell you, uh, I, I'm very, uh, I'm very uh, blessed to work for a company that really tries to align at the executive level to get a, a consensus led approach around our defining objectives. Um, and, and what I mean by that is really spending the right amount of time to plan well in advance of the 90 day, you know, kind of uh, process that we all in sales, you know, kind of live by. Um, and so we get together as an XCOM team, you know, every week, uh, our operational cadences are are very repeatable and we get a, we get a offsite uh, every quarter two two weeks before the end of the quarter. And we actually plan what those those priorities are going to be. And those priorities are set at the end of the year for the next year. But we are able to pivot on those uh, and we really drive a, a 13 week race, if you will, on statusing our dependencies and interlock together. So if we see anything that is not supporting those four defining objectives of the company, then we are able to stop, take a step back, ask the right questions of how do we get on the same page? Uh, and if we pivot to another strategy or another priority, we will do that. I think one of the, the key things for a lot of companies, um, and we've all experienced this, this is not a new thing, but the one reasons why companies fail is that lack of alignment across cross-functional teams uh, and the accountability that comes with that. And, you know, I, I use a system today called Rhythm Systems. Uh, it is a phenomenal system that really helps us keep on track of, of really managing those to those priorities. But they basically look at it as a rag status, right? So weekly statusing on those priorities is, you know, green, amber, and, and, and red from a rag perspective. And at the end of the day, um, we call uh, red not failure, but the gift. The gift of red allows us to actually put plans in place to trend that to amber and then ultimately tra uh, trend that to green. So um, it's really important to have that transparency uh, and visibility across the organization. And uh, certainly companies struggle with that for sure. No, definitely. It's 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 one of the biggest struggles I see, right? And it's um, it, I, I like your top-down approach because I, I do think it has to start there. I think at times it can work from the bottom up because there are certain people that just work well together, but for it to be systematic and organization-wide, the, the executive team has to demonstrate and, and sort of walk the walk of we're, we're selling an integrated solution. We're going to work together on this. And, you know, we don't need to see the infighting over, okay, well, we should, you know, discount services and charge full freight for the product. It's we're selling a solution and we want to maximize the revenue we get. And, you know, we're going to have the cost that we have. Um, it, you know, I think putting the right metrics and 
performance, you know, uh, bonuses in place to support that can can really help. And again, that that kind of has to come from the top down. Yeah, I think the uh, one other one other additional comment I'd make is 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 I also see the importance because um, I don't believe everything should just be top down. I think there should be a lot of bottom up from a planning perspective, especially quantitatively. Um, and when we go through two exercises, one is, you know, we take that bottoms up approach. I'll give you an example. Uh, we go through a pretty extensive white space analysis process where we look at our existing customers and we look at our product portfolio and determine uh, where that market and product fit uh, will will allow us to plan out our growth strategy for the for the upcoming year. Um, and if we have a delay, right, in a product uh, generally available uh, release, uh, or we have uh, a pivot to some other product that's, you know, changed from market dynamics, you know, we are able to kind of point back to that original white space analysis and plan that basically says, hey, uh, I'm just going to throw some numbers out there, but like, hey, if we had $2 million of planned growth in this product, but we've had to pause that development because this other thing over here is much more important based upon some regular regulation or what have you, um, we need to we need to know the impact to that, right? It's not accretive to growing on top of that, that, that revenue may stall. So that bottoms up is critically important that it helps inform that top line down, you know, kind of uh, alignment. But I wanted to make sure that I didn't, you know, just express top down only. It's it's definitely no, a, no. a top down, bottom up approach. No, to totally agree. Um, it's just, it, the, I, in my view, that initial impetus has to come from top down, that the leadership has to demonstrate. We're all working together to optimize company value. Um, it's not just product value value or services value it's collective value and um, you know and then to your point i think you know it does have to you know, germinate then from the bottom up yeah excellent excellent now if i could uh craig is is maybe slight now shift a little bit to talk about um new logos and stuff like that you've you've obviously with your experience and the different diverse companies that you've worked for, seeing the economies, the ebbs and flows, right? Where as the economy is starting to slow down a little bit or slow down, the 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 pipeline starting to take a little bit longer to develop business development. You know, uh, new logos may not be coming in as fast. And now all of a sudden the companies, not all of a sudden, but you're now having to maybe shift a little bit to say, now the focus isn't necessarily all on new logos, but now growth on existing. So have you you know have you seen that and then has in your experience services now or the services and customer client success sort of now come into a bigger focus how have you had had to handle that and and have you you know or have you even had to address that in in your career to sort of say okay we were here now we were focused on new logo but now all of a sudden that's slowing down we now have to look at our current portfolio of customers and see or change our strategy to go from new logo to growth on existing as an example. And then how has it been really led by services coming more into play from your experience? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think we all have learned a ton since, you know, the COVID uh, and the ep epidemic kind of changed the way we, we, uh, we, we operate uh, and work. Um, you know, back at uh, the company you and I worked together at Alpesh, I mean, one of the first moves I made, because I think I joined um, three months uh, prior to COVID hitting um, is kind of like, you know, ground zero. And one of the things that I did was I uh, pivoted to a bifurcation strategy of kind of new low acquisition and then existing customer base expansion business. And so two different teams 
versus what the the prior company had had, which is just kind of one sales force that was you know acquiring new logos and kind of spending time on the on the farming side expansion. And and what I found by that was you know companies really can move very fast in in trying to address customer outcomes and customer pain um, in which they're dealing for the first time, right? So our ability at the last company uh, to really take our existing products and make them work for exactly the purpose and requirement that they needed it for at that time. And I'll use I'll use an example of a solution, right? So forecasting and budgeting, um, lots of companies do annual forecast and annual budgeting. Well, when COVID hit and you saw a lot of uh, you know procedures and and operations uh, start to be you know very very um, you, know, you know they were highly reduced. You actually went from real time, you know, annual uh, forecasting pr- practices to like monthly, weekly, and and month and and quarterly, and so we actually were able to help our clients actually figure out how to do that and model that more successfully. So from a scenario modeling perspective, I think that's continued um, in my new company uh, that I've been here about two years, where. Uh, I came in and did the same thing. I, I I bifurcated the team. I said we need extreme focus on ROI, value realization, uh, work with services to really you know help our clients use our products more uh, effectively and optimize that, but also expand. Um, and so spending the time and really building that deep relationship has allowed us to kind of expand that existing customer base, while the focus on the net new logos um, has been there. Um, we've seen a little bit of a, a slowdown in the new logo, and I think a lot of that is just based upon the sectors that you work in. Uh, but we've done pretty well. We we primarily uh, sell to the financial services markets and capital market space, um, and you know there's a several industries out there that you know typically clamp down, uh, you know several months in advance of of any you know uh, lagging indicators or leading leading indicators, uh, recessionary issues, global, political, what have you. But we've done pretty well uh, in bifurcating that focus because what I want the sales teams on the net new side to do is really drive that you know that new logo acquisition. And what I want the investment to be in, in the team that I built on the uh, existing customer base side is to get deeper, wider, and higher in those accounts. And when you do that, then you really start to build those champions across that organization that will trust you for how, you, how they invest in you going forward. Yeah, and you get a healthy mix of growth on your existing install base along with the new logo. And if one sort of is shifting a little bit, you still have a good healthy balance or or you're not relying on just one and then all of a sudden having the overnight shift, shifted strategy. No, that's a great, great, great points. Mark, you got anything else you, you have? You know, I I I think this has been a great discussion, Craig. I I appreciate all the time and, and your insights. I think uh before we do go, I, I like to ask our guests one final question more about themselves. Um, so, you know, if selling technology solutions was not your dream job when you were 10 years old, uh, what was it that you thought you'd do? And as I tell guests, uh, second base for the Yankees is covered by my dream job. So you got to come up with something else. <laughs> well, I actually have a uh, an actually interesting answer. Um so when I was uh, in high school and and contemplating, you know, where I wanted to go to school, uh, I was an athlete in, in high school, and uh, I also was a uh, quite the dreamer, uh, playing guitar and singing, and um, I actually was quite the uh, the early karaoke success uh, around town, and uh, learned to play guitar from my dad, and and uh, picked up the Garth Brooks kind of yodeling 
uh, country twang, um, you know, sound alike uh, pretty, pretty well and uh, got pretty good at singing and playing guitar and uh, had a couple of offers to to play professionally. Um, and so I could see myself doing that if I didn't go to college and didn't do what I do today. I'd probably be playing music in a bar somewhere. And um, I had the perfect face for radio, as they say. So uh, probably would have worked out perfectly. <laughs> well, I, I think we're going to have to have you back for another podcast and do some, uh, you know, professional services karaoke. So. <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> well we definitely appreciate the time thanks for joining us everyone and uh, al pesh and i'll be back soon again awesome thank, thank you. you for the time guys appreciate thank it thank you